You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Allegra, hi. Hi, Dave. So we're in London, but still thinking about the Middle East. But of course, alongside the terrible events in Israel and Gaza of the last week, Saudi Arabia, the region's biggest economy, is hosting their annual uh, conference, the Future Investment Initiative, aims to be one of the most significant gatherings of economic finance leaders in the world in Riyadh. It's a really important event for the the region, Dave. Um, It's often referred to as Davos in the desert, and it's a high-profile event that draws in CEOs and government leaders from across the globe. And we thought there'd be mass cancellations because of the events of the last two weeks, but it doesn't appear to have been the case. No, the lineup uh, is looking as stellar uh, as it has done uh, in the past. I mean, five years ago, the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, talked about a new era dawning for the Middle East. Uh, there he is speaking at the FII, the Future Investment Initiative, in 2018. He said that the new Europe will be the Middle East and the next global renaissance in the next 30 years will be in that region. But of course, the events of the last few weeks have reminded the world of the instability uh, in that part of the world and the way that instability can spill out both for economies and for politics all around the globe. Yep, and it's complicating um, the man we have all nicknamed MBS. <laughs> it's complicating his efforts to focus the region on economic development rather than old feuds. Welcome to In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the conversations and the stories shaping the world of finance. I'm David Merritt in London with Allegra Stratton, and on the ground in Riyadh is our co-host Francine Lacroix and Riyadh bureau chief Matthew Martin. This week we examine how the Saudi prince's vision for a new Middle East could be overshadowed by the escalating conflict between Israel and Hamas. Here are some of the conversation they've been having sitting right in the middle of the conference in Riyadh. You wrote a very nice piece actually explaining why it's very complicated. Uh, First of all, to make sure that this is a success for the Crown Prince, that especially Wall Street came to this event, but also the, the fact that things are not normalizing with other countries in the region just complicate the efforts of MBS. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, what we've seen over this, this is the seventh year they've had the, this investment forum here. And over the course of that time, one of the big things that MBS has tried to do is he's tried to lower the temperature in the region. He's 
Uh, I mean, he, he started disputes with Qatar, which he then quickly tried to resolve because he saw that this wasn't going the way that he wanted them to. He's uh, resolved the tensions with Iran as well. Uh, there was the invasion of Yemen, which he started and quickly realized wasn't going well. Well, uh, he, uh, he's trying to resolve that situation. And it's all part of this strategy of lower the temperature and get the focus to be on his primary goal, which is economic growth and economic diversification with a view that the more prosperous Saudi Arabia and the region becomes, then these political feuds will uh, melt into the distance. I mean, I think really what we've seen over the last couple of weeks with the renewed fighting in, uh, in Israel or the war with uh, Hamas is that, you know, th th this dream of putting prosperity ahead of political rights um, is a very difficult one to achieve. And there's still some deep fissures in the, the region, which means that trying to focus on prosperity ahead of um, people who have legitimate claims for political rights are going to be a very, very difficult challenge to try and get to. So Matthew, talk to me a little bit about this conference. I don't know whether it's really symptomatic of how stability in the region goes. So if there's not much stability, actually, the big players don't come. If it feels like the region is dynamic and actually has quite a lot of money to spend, then they all show up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if I if I cast my mind back, and I think you were here as well in 2017 for the first one of these, you know, the, the crown prince wandered around the corridors afterwards. There was everybody gathering around him, taking photos of him. He was sort of greeted like this rock star almost, you know. He had this very reformist reputation. He was taking the country and the region on and moving it forward. Since then, of course, we've had the uh, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi when the Saudi Arabia was abandoned by all of the CEOs of the big Western finance companies. Uh, we've had the um, relations with the U.S. hitting a particularly low ebb under the Biden administration. I think, you know, now we're probably sort of back at, towards that sort of mood that we had in 2017. The Saudi, after, uh, after last year's high oil prices, the Saudi Arabia is flushed with petrodollars. It's got a lot of money to spend. It's got a lot of things it wants to spend it on, both internationally and domestically. So it's a, I think, you know, the, the, the mood here is very, very positive. And as much as um, there is a lot of security concerns around the region, I think one of the things you hear from talking to people here, that some of the people who are flying in, is they're saying, you know, in Riyadh, we feel safer on the streets than we do in New York or London. Uh, it's just the, the broader region where it has got these geopolitical fissures which are not being resolved. The, the Wall Street titans did show up. There's Jane Fraser of Citigroup, uh, Jenny Johnson of Templeton. There's David Solomon of Goldman Sachs, David Rubenstein, Jamie Dimon. The list goes on. Larry Fink of BlackRock. What are they here? Are they here to, to ask for funding or are they here to actually invest in the country? I think that's the big uh, tension that you get here. And over, I think in the beginning, it was very much... Um, uh, Saudi Arabia and the Sovereign Wealth Fund, the PIF, calling friends and family and saying, you know, you've got billions of dollars of our money, which you manage abroad. We want you to come and turn up our investment conference. It also has started to attract in all of these other foreign startups, uh, you know, the, 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 the venture capitalists. There is a lot of people are here because they want to suck money out of the country. And, and that is their goal. The Saudis are having a tough time turning that around because they want this they want this promise to do two things. First of all, they wanted to put them on a global map and for people to talk about them in the same sort of way they talk about events in Davos or Milken and those sorts of things. But also they want to get people to come here and see what's going on and put money into the country and put money into this diversification agenda. And so far, that's been the real struggle. It's been there's been a lot of money that's gone out. There hasn't been a huge amount of money that's come into the country so far. It was pretty incredible, actually, on Monday 
uh, the day before the FII started. There were like three conferences going on at the same time. It was pretty confusing. I mean, they were focused on gaming. Uh, they were focusing on football, on sports. What is if there's two things that they want to make you know a priority of? What is it? Tourism in the kingdom, or is it sports? Uh, I mean, I think there's dozens of things. I mean, it, it, it's it's too difficult to narrow it down. I think the thing which we the the, the, the piece which is sort of going to move the needle, I think, is going to be um, tourism because the the kingdom has gone from you know just a few years ago is almost impossible to get to. Uh, as uh, a foreign leisure traveller, now they're open up. Uh, with each passing month, it's getting it's easier and easier for foreign visitors to come here. They've set these huge targets of getting, uh, I think there are a number I remember, is 70 million foreign visitors by 2030. So that's going to put it right at the top leagues of some of the most visited countries in the world. Um, so there's a long way to go for that. If you achieve that, that brings in lots and lots of uh, foreign capital into the country. Uh, it creates lots and lots of jobs in the service industry. So that's a big one that they want to do. Uh, there's also, you know, I suppose, a couple of other really strategic things they want to do is they want to shift this, this perception of them as being an oil exporter. And they want to say that, no, we're not an oil exporter, we're an energy exporter. We're going to make hydrogen here, we're going to ship it abroad. We're going to build solar projects, we're going to build wind farms, we're going to build hydrogen projects, and we're going to link up the grids all around the region and into Europe through this um, uh, this vast infrastructure scheme that Biden uh, and the Saudis and the UAE announced between India, the Middle East, and Europe. So connecting all of these places together for all of the energy that can be made in Saudi Arabia to be exported all around them. That That's the dream. But getting there is... Um, uh, it's not a very easy thing to get to, and there's a long, long way to go as yet. I think, I'm surprised that it actually, even if you're in the corridors of the FII, there's no real talk about the conflict and, and the war between Israel and Hamas. Is that because people are uneasy talking about it, or they just don't know what happens next? There is elements of both of those, but certainly the uh, sort of the, particularly the U.S. and the Western contingent, where there's probably a, a bit, bit more sympathy for the Israeli point of view. Uh, and the Israeli position. So they are, I, I, and I think you can see this from some of the debates on stage when they ask direct questions about it. I think they don't quite know how to address it. And I'm sure we've seen that in the corporate earnings calls and announcements that have come out is that nobody quite knows what to say about this situation. And so they've tried to tread very, very delicately around it. But certainly, I think on the sidelines, when you're having more informal conversations with people, I mean, it's clearly the biggest thing around right now. Is normalization off the table or is it frozen? This was the normalization between, for example, you know, the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Yeah, well, I think, you know, uh, earlier on today, we had Jamie Dimon say on the stage, you know, he, 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 he was pleading with the Saudis to keep this process going uh, and saying that, you know, this needs to, uh, Saudi Arabia needs to push this because this needs to happen for the region. I think at the moment, um, if you look at some of the surveys of Saudi youth, 98% of the population were against normalization. That was even before the events of the past couple of weeks. So domestically, politically, it's quite a tough sell right now. But I think there is also a recognition that you don't, um, you, you need to resolve this conflict. Uh, and that's not going to happen by continuing to ignore each other and not establish diplomatic relations. Does Saudi Arabia actually have a role? We hear that Qatar is trying to play a mediating role. What's the role of Saudi Arabia? Saudi's in a difficult position because, as we were just saying, it doesn't have a diplomatic relationship with Israel. So it can't talk to them, it can't 
uh, apply any diplomatic pressure to them. It has no relationship there. It also, it's, uh, it's no big fan of Hamas either. So it can't talk to them. It can't weigh on them. Whereas Qatar, uh, Qatar hosts Hamas. It has some of the leadership and the spokesmen there. It has that diplomatic relationship it can call on. So Saudi Arabia is a tougher spot. You know, the, the Saudis are very proud of this role they have as the custodian of the two most holy sites within Islam. So it has this sort of diplomatic weight within Islam that it can use. But it doesn't at the moment have those direct relationships with the main protagonists in this fight to be able to affect change. So what we're going to see more of, I think, is the Saudis uh, and some of the other regional powers talking to the U.S. about how uh, how to take this situation forward, how to try and come to some sort of stabilization and limit fighting from going completely out of control. I think that this conference actually compares to Davos. I know that it's called Davos in the Desert. It, it's come a long way in terms of uh, how it looks, how it feels. I guess there's still, you know, many years of experience in Davos in terms of bilaterals, having more access to meeting rooms that would make a difference. But I'm, I'm curious into what you think. Uh, I think I would say, as a, as, a, as a flippant remark to begin with, that I think Davos is far better organized than this is. Uh, we're seven years in, and it still feels like this was, is almost the first time that they've done this. Um, but I think, you know... In, in yes. Davos. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I, I think, you know, look, the, the, the convening power that they have managed to pull off in a pretty short period of time is quite remarkable. They have attracted all of these people here. And I think they consider this to be more of an investment conference rather than I think Davos has a much more of a sort of a geopolitical flavor to it. So I think that's where possibly some of the distinction goes. Um, but, you know, increasingly we're seeing more heads of state turning up here, particularly because to allude back to some of our earlier conversation, um, some of the heads of states coming here because they also want Saudi money as well and they want to see Saudi Arabia play a role. So the, the, the geopolitical conversation here is rising up the agenda a little bit, I think. Matthew Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So, Allegra, wish you were there. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly hotter than a typical Davos, but I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it, to hear them saying that there's no real talk about what's happening in Israel and Gaza. Yeah. Um, I think Fran, was it Fran that said there's, there's no real talk in any of the corridors about the conflict? Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, this event, which is trying to position Saudi Arabia as a, as a regional and global player, um, no one being able to really address the biggest question that not only the region is facing, but the world is at the moment is, is how to resolve the conflict that has erupted in Israel and Gaza. Yeah. I mean, at some point, though, they will, the, the role of the Saudis as very deep pocketed is going to come back to the fore, not just right now we're in this period where it's about the role that the Saudis can play in the diplomacy and trying to to get time. Um, but eventually, it feels a very long way off, but eventually they are going to be turned to for help with what you do, what, how you support Gaza and reconstruct it. It feels like very far away, but fund fundamentally those conversations that world leaders are having when they're saying to the Egyptians, can you please let Palestinians in and so on and so forth, and the Egyptians are, 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 are not wanting to, um, eventually soon there's going to have to be a question about, about what happens to Gaza. It doesn't feel like the most urgent question now, but it is going to be something that the Saudis, as the extremely wealthy players in the region, will need to play a part in. Right, and it's those deep pockets, I suppose, that explain the... Uh, the convening power that Matthew was talking yeah. about, you know, people people are showing up, right? There was a question a, a week ago, like, are people actually going to cancel 
And in the end, it was We're seeing them all lined two up, hands, right? <laughs> about 10 or 12, wasn't it? And there's still 200 who went. Well, I thought, it was, I thought it was really interesting how this kind of, this tension between, and Matthew was talking about, people want, people are going and they want to suck money out of the country. Mm. But actually, the Saudis want to bring money and investment invest into, in this kind of, into in all Saudi these Arabia. And I think that is, that, that, is, that is a tension. I mean, certainly when you think about the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom is very much in the market for investment in, of Saudi Arabian investment in all sorts of industries, including not least green industries, I suspect, you know, British carbon capture and storage at some point might be of interest to Saudis, to the Saudis. So it is interesting that tension between people turning up to, to Davos in the desert and saying, you know, but, but what's their agenda? Their agenda is probably how much can we get them to invest in countries back home rather than necessarily can we support the Saudis to create a tourism industry, for instance. And I thought also was interesting the Jamie Dimon pleading with the Saudis on the stage there to, to keep going with normalization. And it seemed from Matthew that sense that actually, I mean, what I, I would love to know is if it's paused, which it very much does seem to be right now, that normalization with Israel that the world had been hoping for three weeks ago, really very, very little time ago. If it's paused, how long are we talking? Are we talking, are we talking months? Are we talking years? Um, and if it's completely off the table, I mean, it's fascinating to hear, to hear the 98% of the population where uh, Saudi population are against normalization. And, and it, I mean, some people have suggested that one of the aims of Hamas's attack yeah. uh, was to scupper the chance of normalization between Israel and yeah. Saudi Arabia. And, and, and in that sense, it's achieved its aim, clearly, at least for the time being. But for the Saudis, if they are to create this sense, I mean, there was that quote, wasn't there? In Riyadh, people, people, I think people said to Matthew, in Riyadh, we feel safer than in New York or London. You know, you know both cities well, Dave, <laughs> um, but not in the region more widely. And I think that is the fundamental question they will have to answer sometime soon is, you know, can you, can you create this, this Saudi Arabia, which is a, a tourist heaven and place where lots of international travelers want to go? There's extraordinary numbers about their ambitions for tourism into Saudi Arabia, how many people they want to yeah, visit one of the, every to year. One of the world's top tourist destinations, but it seems... Is that feasible? Is that feasible? Is that feasible when you have not far away such such deep and 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 uh, hu huge violence? Is that feasible? Um, potentially, they will right now be, be trying to, to figure out the extent to which the two can coexist. And if and if the, the feeling is that actually it is denting their ambitions to make it, you know, this huge tourism and 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 also life sciences and tech of the future um, economy pivoting away from oil then then they will then have to help to 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 get um Palestine and the Gazans back on their feet that's why it becomes i think that the, the, all of it is linked right, because it becomes the, the, economic the saudi vision of the future is not compatible with a region in flames and with an escalating or a you know a um a worsening conflict between israel and its neighbors Thanks for listening to this week's In the City. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. It really does help people find the show. This episode was hosted by me, David Merritt, Francine Lacroix and Allegra Stratton. It was produced by Summer Sardi with additional editing by Blake Maples. And special thanks to Matthew Martin, Victoria Cochran, Gaia Lamperti and Sarah Halls. Hi there, it's Francine Lacqua, host of In the City. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not gonna want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. 
Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube.